episode 65 of A Hoop's Journey is brought to you by Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to A Hoop's Journey. Uh, working our way through the summer holidays and, and super thrilled that uh, this young man was able to sit down with us, episode 64, if you can believe it or not. We're going to sit down tonight with a former two-time All-Canadian, an amazing hooper, got some great stories. I'm looking really forward to hearing about um, his experiences at the All-Native Basketball Tournament. Um, I've got to make that road trip one year and get my butt up there to see that tournament. Uh, representing Rupert, currently living on the rock in Nanaimo, also representing a nice little spot called Kitkatla. We have none other than Mr. Jacob Tom on tonight. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for the <laughs> the modest introduction. Uh, the, one of the things that stood out to me there is you called me young. Uh, like I said before, off the air, we've been playing quite a bit frequently, and I don't feel so young, but I appreciate it. <laughs> the body says different. I mean, yeah. L- looking at our two uh, our two beards that we're offering, I would say that I can call you young because I see I see no salt. I just see pepper. So you're still doing well, my man. Um, quick check in with you. How was your year? How are you doing? Um, what were the things that you learned in the last 14 months about yourself? And um, just let the people kind of know what you do for a living and, and how things are going for you right now. Yeah, so f- first of all, obviously it's been wild for everyone, but COVID, um, you know, it took a lot of, lot of, lot out of everyone, um, I would say for myself personally. Uh, one of the biggest things for me, like I got an opportunity to enroll in my master's program. I'm actually doing one of the, the same programs that Matt Kuzminski mentioned, uh, positive coaching athletic leadership out of University of Missouri. Um, I'd say that's the biggest takeaway for me. With regards to, you know, just trying to stay, well, first of all, trying to stay healthy and trying to stay fit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm always someone that I think takes pride in just being a, a healthy person and, um, mm-hmm. you know, because everything closed down. With regards to losing basketball, that's something that I, I'm super passionate about. You know, playing, coaching, just being around the game, that's something that um, I would say hurt me quite a bit. You know, like a lot of people struggle with mental mental health concerns with regards to, you know, just trying to keep your mind busy and trying to find things to do. That's kind of how I stumbled upon the master's program. I knew that um, the pandemic was going to be a little bit longer. I was going to have some free time throughout this year um, with no basketball. So I had to keep my mind busy. And it... You know, is honestly just a super big challenge for everyone, and uh, you know, no different for me. So, are you in the thick of it right now with your masters? Like, where are you at? Into the thick of it. Into the thick of it. Into the thick of it. Oh. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm actually. I enrolled, I think, one semester behind Matt, cause, and he just finished um, this past semester. So, I have two classes left. Um, I'm just finishing up. Class seven and eight, and I'm in the final two weeks of it right now. So, nice. I'm hoping to be done somewhere around October. If we uh, called your instructors, would your guys' papers look the same, or is that off the record? You got a, you got a little <laughs> mentor there, or what? <laughs> uh, you know what? That's a good one. But uh, <laughs> Maddie, Maddie, and myself are two honest guys. I'm going to say that our papers no- look nothing alike, and. Uh, and that's one of those guys that takes pride in, you know, getting 100% on, on assignments. And I'm one of the guys that's pretty happy with the 8 or 9 out of 10. 
my kind of guy. You're my kind of guy. Just get it done. <laughs> yeah. And so are you learning much? Is it is it worth it? How's it going? And it must be kind of cool to, when I did my master's, we did it through Gonzaga and I had two other teachers that I did it with. So it was cool to just have conversations at least about what you're going through and someone that you can kind of relate with a bit, right? Have you experienced that? And, and how's it going? Well, first of all, I think it's a uh... It's a completely new experience for me with regards to just doing school online. Like that's not something that I experienced mm-hmm. other than on the flip side with teaching. Um, but it's it's completely different. Um, being disconnected from the entire group is something that's a little bit challenging because I think, and you, you can probably attest to that too, just being a teacher. Like that's where a lot of the learning happens with regards to um, the discussion that goes on in classrooms. And that's something that we don't really get to experience in that kind of setting. Setting, but uh, I would say with regards to having Matt going through the program, um, definitely super helpful. I can kind of bounce some ideas off him, kind of ask him what um, classes he would suggest I take and what kind of what which ones he got the most out of. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I'm us- utilizing Matt as a resource for sure. Dope, man. Good for you for doing it. And um, have you found, too, being online, you have a little bit more compassion for the kids you teach and work with now? <laughs> <laughs> We kind of only went online for the, the little, uh, what, I don't know how long it was, like a month and a half or something, but definitely was a, a challenge. But for myself, like, I'm actually, not, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Like, I, you know, I can kind of just work whenever I really need, I got some free time or when I when I can do things. Um, and I also work throughout the year, so um, I'm super grateful that I was able to do that. Yeah. Um, you know how important it is just to have an income coming in when that's going on, but... Um, it's something that, yeah, it was super helpful for me, honestly. So I don't mind the online format just with regards to not being able to have that classroom dynamic and being able to communicate with some of your peers. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, best of luck. And I'm sure you'll finish well. And, and, uh, in the end, you know, I think a master's program is great. You know, it helps them the paycheck, but I think, you know, doing something that's you know, purposeful and meaningful for you is because you want to get something out of it. And I am sounds like you will. So that's dope, man. Someone doesn't know about you. Um, talk about kind of your upbringing, where you're from and sort of how basketball, you know, started to really come into your life and take over. Yeah. So um, I would say, first of all, uh, you know, I'm a uh, how old am I now? 32. Sometimes I say I'm 19, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it some days when I'm playing basketball anyways. Um, but, you know, born, I was actually born in Vancouver, uh, moved to Prince Rupert at a very young age. I was two. When I moved, I transitioned from living with my parents to my grandparents. Um, that's kind of how I ended up in Prince Rupert. Um, someone that went to, you know, live my whole life in a small town, something that you know, I think it's a good thing for a lot of people, but it definitely is a challenge for me transitioning to a bigger city. If you know anything about Prince Rupert, Prince Rupert was once the rain capital of Canada. So, you know, getting outside is not something that we can do too frequently without getting rained on. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely, um, I would say that just, you know, personally, my grandparents are Indigenous and they come from Kikatla, like you mentioned at the start. Uh, my mom is indigenous. We didn't really have a, a relationship because, like I said, I was raised by my grandparents and I spent lots of time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually have five siblings. Uh, they all have a different dad than me, though. So it was kind of like a disconnect in the family. But, you know, for the most part, going forward, we all had a good relationship. And I just kind of lived with my grandparents and she had, a, we'll just say, another life kind of on the 
mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a different city. Yeah. I mean, you are, it is the Rupert Rainmakers for a reason, right? Obviously, you know, being with your grandparents and was their ancestry and their culture important to them? And was it a huge part of your life early on? Was it something that was very prominent in the household or was it something that you learned about later in life? I'll definitely say, I think it was something that I learned a bit later in life, mm. uh, just with regards to the the culture component. I'm sure you kind of seen, you know, all the stuff going on in the news with regards to residential schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother's a residential school survivor or thriver, whatever way you want to, what kind of context you want to put it in. Mm-hmm. Um, but with regards to that, I would say that we didn't actually incorporate too much culture into our household, you know, just with regards to like, you know, learning the language and the language that's spoken in the Prince Rupert region, Shimshan territory, so it's Somaliac. Um, it's something that I was able to take in elementary school and high school, but I would definitely say that I can't fluke it, uh, speak it fluently because I never was immersed kind of in that cult, someone that can talk it every single day with me, so... Yeah, just just to kind of answer your question, it's something that I would say I learned a lot more about later in life because I'm just kind of interested in trying to, you know, find ways to integrate myself back into the community and build some relationships and also show kids uh, in the community that when you're living in that environment, you're being raised in that kind of environment, you got an opportunity to be successful no matter what you're trying to do. So just trying to be a positive role model for the community is something that I take pride in as well. Love it, man. I love to hear it. That's awesome. And... Talk about Prince Rupert as a whole, and I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware at St. Thomas More, you know, we played Prince Rupert in the provincial final one year, and you know, how you probably were cheering for them. That's fine. It's okay. I forgive you. But uh, like, talk about what has happened up in that area of the world, and the basketball culture that occurs is pretty phenomenal. And how and who were the people that got basketball you know into how'd you get a basketball in your hand and how did it become part of your life like you said you're 32 and you're still hooping right so it's obviously a huge component of who you are and how you identify early on how did that happen in a place like that yeah well you know there's a couple of things that come to mind right away when you talk about that first of all with regards to prince rupert basketball you mentioned the rainmakers and Mm. obviously charles hayes but when i went to high school it was prince rupert secondary school at the time and you know you, nice you shout out for charles basketball. hayes man well done nice shout out for charles yeah, hayes. yeah. You, you can't mention basketball and uh prince rupert and not mention mel bishop so first of all he's he's definitely the the big backbone with regards to being able to find a way to connect a lot of indigenous people in prince rupert and draw their passion for basketball and sports and uh, also doing it the right way you know how just fundamentally sound he is technical mm-hmm. someone that you know, like I, I kind of just had an opportunity to be taught basketball, in my opinion, the right way. Um, you know, like I'm a, a person that kind of likes to do things properly, making sure that also doing the little things that, in my opinion, win, win basketball games. I'm sure you can kind of understand what, what I'm talking about there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then the second thing I would say, just with regards to Prince Rupert in particular, um, and what they're going to before, uh, Prince Rupert being, it's, I would say it's a pretty uh, easy choice. Uh, our local rec center or civic center it was basically open for like 8 a.m until 11 potentially free daycare <laughs> i think that's kind of what it turned out to be yeah but uh you know i just got a group of friends down there we'd bring our basketball we'd stay for like i don't know probably five or six hours some days you know just playing basketball um i would say we probably weren't practicing the proper things we were just, you know being kids when we we're 11 12 years old and just doing doing kid-like things, sometimes playing basketball, sometimes, you know, kicking the ball, 
sometimes, you know, <laughs> throwing balls at each other, just whatever kids are doing indoors. <laughs> Were there lots of older dudes playing too? Like, did you stick around and watch these guys play or... Was it, were you not there yet at that age? It was just more like, oh, this is a fun thing to do and, and kill the day. And your so your grandparents are like, get out of the house. I'm not dealing with you all day. So go, go do something. Yeah, I would say that's a, that's another super important part with regards to developing as a basketball player in Prince Rupert. Like, especially if you're playing at the community center, like there's a lot of older people and, you know, not, and then that's kind of why I call myself older. Um, you know, people like myself self will be down at the community center playing basketball. like i'm talking grade eight and nine so whatever 13 or 14 years old there would be times where i would be on the sideline just watching and hoping i can get an opportunity to play you know and mm-hmm. then even when i got an opportunity to play uh sometimes you know i was making mistakes and guys are kind of you know on different matchups and trying to attack you and stuff like that take advantage of the younger kid that's on the court because he's going to make mistakes he's easy to score on those types of things yeah, I actually remember one of the very first times to play in this random pickup game, but it was with the older guys, and I just was so proud. Um, you know, nervous as all as can be, but, of course. you know, just kind of got an opportunity to play. And then I actually, you know, after that, I don't remember a time whenever I got invited to play again. So it was a, a, a big moment for me at that point. Yeah. And something I think, too, like not to sound like the old dog or whatever, but a little bit of our younger culture missing a bit of just those days of, go to the local rec center, go to that outdoor court, find some random people that are bigger and stronger than you and try to figure it out and learn how to like deal with getting attacked because you're the little guy and that, you know, and then what true competition is because the reason those guys are attacking you is because they're like, if we win, we stay. And so we want to get you off the court, right? So kind of good takeaways for sure there. Yeah, honestly, though, one of the things, too, and I was uh, talking to one of the Rupert guys that's on VIE right now, and we were just mm-hmm. kind of talking about the, the Civic Center, and he one of the things that he mentioned to me was, like, the first time they opened the gym post-pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. he said they had, like, 50 guys out there, you know, so if you lose a game and there's 50 guys and it's done. five guys per team, there's <laughs> there's 10 teams, so you basically, your night is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the, so, unless the center just opened and you've got seven more hours, you may get one more run in, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's it's not like that anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. But, uh, Politics and money probably, right? Just... Uh, oh, exa- yeah. exactly, yeah. Renting it out for and, and, uh, racquetball and whatever else. <laughs> oh, man. And it was, always, it was always badminton back in the day. But one of the things, you know, it gave me an opportunity to play was the fact that it was free. Um, mm. You know, so anything that we can do that didn't cost money, so it was free to go there. Um, and then eventually, kind of as time went on, they started to charge, you know, $2, $4, I don't even know how much it is now, but yeah, that was one of the big things. It just was a free place to go. And is one of the beautiful things about basketball too, right? Is like, if you have a half decent pair of runners that aren't falling off your feet, you can go somewhere usually and get a game in. But interesting perspective in terms of when the money was involved, how a lot of people just had to walk away. So what was the what was the first team in Rupert that you played for and your first experience um, kind of organized basketball? Uh, first experience for organized basketball, it actually didn't turn out too well for me. I would say it was in grade <laughs> six, and we have something called uh, we have something called Prince Rupert Minor Basketball Association, and mm-hmm. uh, basically what it is, it's like a city league, and uh, you know there's four or five teams, and basically they're coached 
someone's parent and uh you know how that story kind of goes like there's just so much stuff that kind of goes on and as a kid like honestly i think i was a pretty difficult kid to kind of deal with um and if it wasn't my way i probably wasn't too happy you, you see it all the time too with with kids and that's why i can kind of i think empathize with certain kids that are difficult because i was that kid but uh just some of our pra- or our practices at the time they weren't they weren't fun for me and uh i actually just had a difficult time and i actually ended up quitting basketball for a couple of years uh and then i kind of got reintegrated into organized basketball when i turned into grade 8 at Prince Rupert High School awesome thanks for sharing that part about kind of stepping away from the game it's like and we'll talk about it but at some point you know you must have been like damn like i'm going to the all Canadian banquet, you know what I mean? Like, so it's pretty wild. Your, you know, your ride is pretty wild and we'll get through it all, which is, which is amazing, man. And you get to Rupert, you start to play there. How was that experience? And what was it like? You know, we've, we've had some people who've been up there before and talked about, you know, winning a provincial championship and parades when they get back and just the, the pride in that whole program. I was actually, one of the things that I overlooked was when we played them in the final how many people, probably like yourself, maybe lived down in the lower mainland area, how many fans they actually had, right? And it was it was crazy. And how was that experience? And, and when did you really start to, like, starve for the game? I would say probably immediately when I got into grade 8, I'm not going to lie. Like, it, yeah. like I said, I was spending most of my time playing basketball anyways. It was just in an unstructured environment. So um, as soon as, and I would say even to this day, like, I would weigh rather play structured basketball than unstructured like it just kind of suits my game and that's kind of what i grew, grew up playing but you're that, you're that guy in the right open away. run hey making yeah. all the right cuts making all the right reads working the hardest like dude just go away man <laughs> oh you know like even just making the right passes you know making yep. early passes not holding on the basketball trying to make quick decisions things like that but also like you know as a coach like when you're playing that way you better be practicing what you're preaching as well so kind of gives me a little bit of uh skin in the game with regards to telling players to be doing things because they are they're seeing me model it as well so but yeah kind of to get back to your question there with regards to um finding a uh an impact in the game and when it kind of clicked for me mm-hmm. i would say immediately as soon as i got to high school grade eight like it it kind of turned my life around and i would say basically as someone that was struggling with school first of all attending school was a a big problem for me mm-hmm. um and then playing on the grade eight team we had a an academic report that was basically due every weekly or it was due weekly and we had to get it signed teachers and making sure that we're keeping up with our work and also make sure that we're going to class so that's something that uh, kind of got me on the right path early but you know kind of kind of to say that too like i'm gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say i was the hardest working guy in school because i didn't have that kind of situation at home i you know like a lot of unstructured environments like there wasn't any guidance for me to be doing my homework there wasn't anyone that's sitting there telling me to do homework or no one checking or anything like that either so you know like I was kind of just doing things to kind of get by and I think that there's probably some gaps in my education because of that but that's kind of why I'm passionate about learning right now love it man coming full circle right like yeah your own personal growth and reflection and looking back and looking through all those times and then and then you're look where you're at like grinding through your masters man it's dope it's awesome to hear um was it because you touched on it a little bit was it just not pushed in your home and then you're like well i'm freaking grade eight i'm like 13 if no one's gonna make me go to school i ain't gotta go to school like 
And it's funny how that dangling carrot of hoops and that one piece of paper of your like, your math eight teacher's like, well, I don't know, Jacob didn't really do his homework this week. And you're like, shoot, man, I'm not gonna be able to go to practice. Like, it's funny how those things work, right? Yeah, I would say there's a couple things there. Uh, first of all, I would say the the group of people that I was hanging around at that time, you know, they're older kids, people that were kind of just in my neighborhood. And one of, one of the big things for me too, just growing up too, like a lot of the times um, when I wasn't playing basketball, I was doing other things outside, you know, playing kickball, playing street hockey, playing baseball, playing honestly any sport we can get our hands on. A lot of the times too, we're playing like capture the flag or manhunt, things like that. And just... Uh, we're not necessarily making the right decisions and I would say skipping school and other things like that are kind of fed to fed into it as soon as I got into grade eight. Um, but also like, like, you know, the, like I said, there just, there wasn't that guidance and there wasn't that, um, there wasn't that person to kind of, you know, call me on all on the things that I was doing. So that's something that I, I lacked for sure. Also says a lot about you and your, you know, you're in your journey, your own personal growth and, and being able to recognize that and, and work through it, right? And get through degrees. And so good on you, man. You're obviously a pretty determined person and, and became focused and realized that there was more to you than just what you were offering. But I mean, you know, when you're in grade eight, you're just like, we're so goofy and dumb. You know what I mean? Like, we're not thinking about 20 years from now. We're just like, what's the next two minutes of my life going to be like? You know what I mean? And and if there's no, if we don't have that kind of guidance or just that little push and we just find ourselves making some poor choices sometimes, you know? Yeah, I would say that the, honestly, that's exactly how it was for me in grade eight. Like I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about four or five years. Like, you know, like I said, I, there wasn't that pressure in my, in my household, even to go to post-secondary school. It was just like, okay, let's just try to take care of what's going to happen this week. You know, it was kind of yeah. like we're living week to week and, you know, there's, there's lots of challenges that kind of came with that, you know, like some things like, you know, what am I going to eat this week? You know, how am I going to be able to afford to go on this basketball trip? How am I going to get some new shoes? How am I going to get some new shorts, whatever it was, but it definitely was a challenge. I'm not going to lie. And mm -hmm. then one of the things too, is just like, I've been around a lot of people that kind of, they've experienced failure too. So it was kind of something that the, the fear of failing, it also kind of, it motivated me. So I just didn't want to be um, kind of like one of those people that had an opportunity to do something that's super good for the community, but they didn't actually get an opportunity because they failed for whatever other reason. So I would say that's kind of where my determination comes from, just the fear of failure. Interesting perspective, man. Love it. Um, thanks for all that stuff you're sharing. It's great. You're moving on. You're starting to love basketball. What are those senior years like? Are you guys playing double A? How did those kind of final two years go for you? Did you get did you get pulled up in grade 10 or were you still kind of figuring it out? How, how did it go playing for the F, the official Rainmaker team, you know? Yeah, yeah, the OG team. So yeah. <laughs> uh, as a grade 10, I actually played junior um, okay. and grade 9. I went to the junior provincials. Prince Rupert's always pretty competitive. Tough for them to compete at the junior provincials, though, because obviously a smaller school playing against the bigger school. So don't really have good showings at the junior tournament. Kind of like you mentioned, too, moving up into grade 11 and 12, we played double A at the time um, when there was triple A as the highest tier. We were always a, a relatively competitive team, but one of the problems with living in Prince Rupert, there's always uh, a lack of competition. No disrespect to the teams that are around there, but um, there's just there's not really much competition mm -hmm. other than a couple of teams. Um, so like what does the season schedule look like for us? We'd have to make lots of trips to um, Alaska. We'd have to go to we'd always go to the Victoria Police Tournament. I don't know if we ever made any trips to the mainland, but 
longer longer bus rides to Prince George and stuff like that were always uh, pretty common things for us. And you've talked a little bit about it, and I'm assuming that, correct me if I'm wrong here and, and making an assumption, but other kids maybe coming from a, a same scenario as you where, all right, so how am I going to get this trip? How, how does Prince Rupert basketball go about that? How do you do fundraising? Are there people in the community that just take care of it? Like, cause I know, I know Mel's still doing it, right? He's making his effort to come down and just give the teams exposure and have great experiences, but also see, you know, real competition. It's not, an, you're not knocking anyone. It's just reality, you know? Yeah, you know what? That's actually something I was, I was reflecting on a, quite recently, and I wasn't really 100% sure how they're kind of making all their money up there. So that's something you might have to ask Mel about. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. One of the things that we uh, we would do, we always have this uh, basketball calendar. Um, we'd sell chocolates. We'd have shoot-a-thons, pledge-a-thons, um, different things kind of like that. Uh, bottle drives, hot dog sales. <laughs> We we did kind of what everyone else is doing, but I think that their budget for sports is a little bit bigger than probably a traditional school as well. Um, so there always seemed to be money around. And if and I think if you did, um, if you ever needed, you know, if you couldn't afford to go on a trip or something like that, Mel's one of those guys. He's he would you know take the ball and then give it to you if he had to. But yeah, I don't think there's any ever issues with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to get him on the show and see what the real deal is there. Yeah, who's the who's the big funder for? the rainmakers yeah, basketball wait, program wait till that guy's retired though <laughs> is he ever going to retire well but, technically he retired from teaching and then he ended up being a sub again so i'm not sure these dudes because he, they have the, it the, so they, good man they they're like they probably make more subbing than they would do friggin' teaching they're like they just get to roll in with the province paper under their arm and whatever sit in on math 12 well, or you know yeah, well, the thing with Mel is he's always one of those guys like he spent so much time with the younger kids too. So he's like, mm. oh, you know, the next, uh, I don't know, let's just say McChesney, for example, you know, like right. that was kind of when he was anticipating to retire after Liam graduated. Yep. And then, you know, he he's still going, so. Oh, good on him. He's a legend, man. It is hats, like, hats off to him. He's, he's, he's one of a, a rare, rare breed, right? And talk about you 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 touched on it a little bit but uh how was it playing for him and it seems like you guys were a great fit in terms of you've mentioned your style of play and then his style of coaching seemed like a great fit and when when in your high school years are you starting to think hey you know what like i can move on here and i can go to a school and play basketball at the post-secondary level um yeah well i would say there's a one big thing there is I think mm. that he probably molded me to kind of buy into what he was selling <laughs> so uh I didn't really nothing really have a choice but, nothing uh, more needs to be said yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah so uh I would say that he did a good job there and uh like I mentioned before too like my personality too as a young kid like I was someone that would always challenge essentially authority and he was someone I was able to kind of do a good job keeping it under a little bit grade eight to grade 11 and 12 when I had a time to be with Mel, uh, all the basketball practices, all the time that he puts in. So you just see how passionate he is for the game. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the success that he's had. So it's pretty hard to question someone like that when you see all the stuff that he's doing for the community, especially in a positive way for people that, you know, like Indigenous people like myself. Um, so it's, it's pretty easy to buy into what he's selling there. Yeah. And then do you feel like playing for someone like that you know, had you had someone else who was maybe a little bit more lax or laid back, like, would you have been able to kind of take off like you did, do you think? 
I mean, obviously, a big chunk of it is your uh, own determination and drive, right? But, I mean, if you get to those senior years and it's, uh, let's just roll the balls out and uh, don't worry about your grades and, you know, shoot whenever you want, as opposed to a little bit of structure and sort of, even if it was annoying and frustrating and hard to deal with at times, which when we're in high school, right, we all think we're nice and, hey, we need more shots or why is coach on my case all the time? But how was that relationship and do you think it helped, you know, kind of push you to the next level? Uh, yeah, in my opinion, yeah, without a doubt. There's, like I said earlier too, like with regards to the just the academic accountability, that was something that was big for me. Um, I never had, like I said too, there, I didn't have that guidance or even expectation to go into the post-secondary level. So kind of when, uh, when I had that conversation with Mel for the first time in, I think, grade 11, um, it was something that was so completely foreign to me. I didn't even know how to apply. I didn't even know, I'm not going to lie, I didn't know what schools were even out there like mm-hmm. I didn't know other than UNBC um, and then kind of with regards to playing at the next level like um, I would say probably in grade 11 you know we had a former provincial team guy on our, on our team at the time uh, Connor Agnew and he went and played at um, Thompson Rivers and you know like he was the best player on the team at that time and you know kind of just being able to play you know, and also just the importance of the, what he brought to the team and kind of what I brought to the team so um, it was kind of I, I felt like I could play at the next level, especially knowing that Connor was going to play at a CIS school, and then I ended up playing at a CCAA school at the time. So, mm-hmm. uh, I actually coached Connor on the U17 team. Oh, did you? Yeah, so it was <laughs> nice. Cal, Cal, he's, West, he's a... Cal Westbrook, uh, Alex Murphy, Scott Lee, Rob Sacre, Dougie Plum, Bull Kong. Yeah, Connor, he was hilarious, man. He was a character. He was so funny. Honestly, all all those guys, all those guys are characters. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. obviously, you got the most relationship with Connor. I haven't seen I haven't seen Connor in a long time, but he's honestly he's just a great team guy. I'm sure you probably be able to tell right away. Just like one of the guys that you can put him in any situation, and he's able to kind of fit in. And uh, yeah. yeah, just a good good team guy for sure. Well, yeah, and it's interesting you say that right away because I know it was a tough summer for him because he was he was essentially he was our he became like our 12th man and I know it was hard for him right I know it was hard I mean you're you're the best player on your high school team the best player in your region and but you play in the provincial team you're playing with the best of the best but then you know your coach doesn't see you as someone you know in the top five six or seven but he always showed up with a fun attitude you know he never never complained never was an ass in practice like he always and like you say good team guy right because you need you know you need those 11th 12th guys to just be positive and energetic and bring it every day so I mean good and an awesome opportunity for you in high school to play against and with someone like that did you guys shoot a lot in the gym together or did you not have a relationship like that or what was it like um I would say like one of the things that I've heard so just training and stuff like that I definitely put in a lot more time afterwards after high school mm. but some of the things that we would do would be like first of all Mel would open the gym three mornings in a row or three mornings a week, and I, I'm not gonna lie, like I'm not gonna say I was there every single day because there was sometimes I just didn't have someone to kind of wake me up, and I wasn't waking myself up, unfortunately. That just kind of the that's kind of how it was, and I actually lived so close to the school that sometimes someone would be throwing a rock in my window and they'd be, you know, dragging me to practice. With regards to training with Connor and stuff like that, yeah, we definitely got in the gym a little bit. We'd always be competing against each other, mm-hmm. um, and 
he's he's a he's a shooter so like he's someone that i really like playing with because as a, a pass first point guard just kind of get him the ball catch and shoot things like that yeah um so he was definitely a joy for me to play with and and you know in hindsight looking back at it like he's he's one of those guys that you'd love to have on your team now that you're a coach and then you just want to have a team full of that kind of guy right like yeah yeah it's funny the things you realize later on in life right when you start to coach you're like damn if we could have like 12 agnews we'd be all right you know <laughs> yeah yeah he, he's gonna love the shout out by the way <laughs> good connor what's up man i hope you're well he fa- actually sean garvey facetimed me like a couple years ago and they were watching a game or something and they were up in Kamloops and he was there and i was like oh my god it's you like it was hilarious it was good to see his face but shout out to connor man he's a he's a beast Quick sidebar, when was your first experience with the All-Native Tournament? Uh, first, are we talking about playing or talking about viewing? Just anything, yeah. I'm just wondering when that happened for you. Uh, so viewing, definitely yeah. at a very young age. You know, okay. it's an annual tournament in Prince yeah. Rupert. So uh, I, I honestly can't even think, probably grade seven or something like that. Like, like I said, the only reason I probably knew about it, to be honest, was because the Civic Center was closed, closed. for a week and I was trying to play some basketball. <laughs> You're so, like, I got to go show up. What the that's heck are they closing the gym I, for? Yeah. 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 I love it. So honestly, it was a, it was a pain, but uh, that's kind of where I first, uh, first watched it for sure. And then also one of the things too, like because there's a men's league going on in Prince Rupert, like that was another time that close the gym. local guys are doing mm-hmm. and then you kind of transition from seeing those guys that you know and the guys that you're playing with every single night and then seeing them play in this big tournament which is such a big deal at the time that i don't really even know about it to be honest but there's just there's a lot of things going on like big crowds and stuff like that like it's just a it's a crazy atmosphere that you kind of got to be able to experience to even understand what it's what it's like yeah yeah so Absolutely. yeah i would say probably around grade six or seven for for me to uh to view and then probably i think my first time playing was grade nine mm-hmm. and i played for kikatla and we lost uh two straight games uh same kind of thing you know i was a i don't know how old i'm 14 or 15 but i'm just getting bullied by all the the, <laughs> the older guys and just getting full court pressed and turning it over like mm-hmm. oh my god it was a nightmare but something that made you better too where does the love for basketball come from your culture do you even know? I don't really know, yeah, it, to be just, honest. No, I don't. Of, I don't. I don't know about yeah. that. Just sort of. It's. I mean. It, yeah. I mean. You're. You're a young dude, but it'd be an interesting question. It'd be like to go back to an elder and just be like, why is basketball like so important and matter so much? Like, I think it's super dope. I'm just curious as to, and and like you say, it's just ingrained, right? You're like, you don't have a choice. It's like, wow, Civic Center's closed. What the heck is this? Oh wow, this looks pretty cool. Oh man, I'd like to play in this one day. And the next thing you know, you're hooked and you're playing every year if you can, right? So just be an interesting thing to figure out kind of why and where it's come from, you know? Cause you, yeah, I can kind of take a shot at that. Yeah, go for it, from man. My, from my own opinion, I would just say like with regards to, from me personally, like just being able to play the game. And like I said, I didn't really have someone that could guide me in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, there's just so much opportunity for, for, to learn different life skills through the game of sport of basketball, being able to communicate efficiently, effectively, uh, being able to understand what it's like to be hardworking, showing up, 
I would say that's probably one of the big things for me with regards to playing basketball and why it's something that was so meaningful. Talk to him, JT. Let's go. I'm loving it. Good stuff, man. So then explain to me, how does someone like yourself make it all the way to Malaspina slash VIU? How does that connection happen? And man, what a career you had there. And you haven't, they haven't kicked you off the rock yet. So, but, but, but how does that all unfold for you, man? Couple of different things there. Uh, First of all, you know, kind of just as a grade 12, I was being recruited um, by a couple different schools, uh, UNBC, Douglas a little bit, uh, Thompson Rivers, um, Laurentian, VIU, which was Malaspina at the time. And I would say one common theme there is just the, the Rainmaker connection, you know, like all those schools had some sort of Prince Rupert connection. Mm. Um, and I would say that for me, like I wasn't a very, pri- I wasn't a prize recruit by any means, you know, as a five foot ten kid that weighed 150 pounds that could barely even slap the backboard but uh hey, that's a you know <laughs> someone that took a a flyer on me was tony bryce and one of the big things at the time was my girlfriend committed to uvic to play sports and i chose vancouver island university because we had an opportunity to kind of be closer to each other so that's the cliff notes version of it <laughs> It's interesting though, it's like, it does make a difference when you have someone like connected, right? Like I remember finishing at Langara and kind of thinking about where I wanted to go after that. And then my buddy Gil Chung was out at Brandon and I was kind of like, I mean, Brandon, like Brandon, Manitoba, but having someone there and having a little bit of a connection at least makes you a little bit more comfortable because someone before you's experienced it, right? And, and you've already touched on that. And, and then you go to VIU and, and I remember going over there for my recruiting trip uh, Simmer brought me over on the ferry and I stayed with Tony McCrory for the weekend. And VIU is a unique scenario, right? Especially for the CCAA. It's like a CCAA school, but it's got a kind of a bigger feel to it because you know the campus and how things go. And what was it like for you? Now, I know you came down to the mainland many times and had lots of experiences down here, but those first few days stepping on campus, was it like at this point, emailing your girlfriend all the time? There was no FaceTime. Was it texting? What'd you have? A little flip phone, a razor, what? Like a BBM? What'd you have? <laughs> <laughs> that, and how did you adjust to that? that? That's funny that you mentioned the razor yeah. because I did have a razor phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, you but, did. But uh, yeah, the big, the big thing for me was that, uh, you know, I kind of got my first cell phone around that time too. So um, the razor was the kind of the cool thing. I still remember as a sleek little red thing. And uh, we had the T9 word texting on there, so it was uh, it. Took, a, <laughs> took, took quite a while to send a text message. But uh, yeah, the, the transition from Prince Rupert to uh, <laughs> the transition from Prince Rupert to Nanaimo was something that I, I think I struggled with a little bit, especially being someone that uh, you know didn't really have any life skills with regards to kind of cooking and doing your laundry and things like that. Um, but I was, I was kind of fortunate with regards to me transitioning here was I had being part of the basketball time basketball team i automatically had you know 12 or 13 brand new friends so that kind of made things a little bit easier for me like i said a little bit earlier too like there's just the fact that i know a lot of people that had an opportunity to do what i was doing um but they would either flunk out in a semester or maybe even two years and that's something that kind of kept me going so yeah no fair enough and how were the teammates what what were the big takeaways early on those first few practices you know, in terms of the talent level and, and was it, was it eye opening or did you feel like, okay, you know, I can, I, th- I think I can do okay here. 
Yeah, I would I would say, uh, you know, kind of when you're in, in grade 12 or whatever it is and you're kind of going to different ID camps and stuff like that, like just immediate to see like, hey, there's definitely a talent gap here. Um, and for me, the talent gap wasn't necessarily the big thing. It was just the fact that I was five foot ten and I weighed 150 pounds. So I was <laughs> a tiny person and I, I wasn't that, the sorry. most. No, it's all good. I wasn't the most athletic, but I was able to run and I could play and, you know, I had a good skill set. So it was something that I was always able to fit in. And then also with regards to kind of playing older people, stronger people, like I was able to kind of get a, get away with it. Mm-hmm. So for me, the biggest gap was the strength and the, the, the speed was something I was probably fine with, but just the strength of all the other guys for sure. Mm-hmm. Did you notice any similarities in terms of like the basketball culture in Nanaimo and kind of on the island as, as Rupert? Like it's kind of it's I find that like the island is unique and it's like it's it's got its own little thing like everybody competes each other against each other but then I see you guys at provincials and you're all like in the end cheering for island teams you know what I mean like it's it's got its own little thing over there you know yeah I would say that I I didn't experience that when I was playing for uh, VIU or Malspeen at the time but mm-hmm. I would say now that I'm coaching I uh, mm-hmm. definitely notice it um, and then there's there's just there, there's so much similarities like you said to playing island high school basketball and prince rupert um there's just like the it's a small community honestly like the basketball world is a very small world you see the same people every single year you're you know calling the same people to schedule games and then you play let's just say for us it's dover bay they're in the same city here so we play those guys what seems like eight times a year (laughs) um And, uh, you know, you kind of just, you, you're, you're so comfortable with playing certain people. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a little, a little bit similar to Prince Rupert. Mm-hmm. Take us through those all-Canadian years and, and those special years at Mal and, and some of the good groups you had. Talk about the ups, downs, the in-betweens, the, the good wins, you know. How was that overall experience? I mean, you had, you're, you're down in the record books, man. And you're obviously, you know, a pretty quiet, humble guy and you're not going to want to talk about it much. And that's cool. But, you know, looking you up and doing some research the last few days and, and looking at looking at who you are as a basketball player, you're there. You're like, you're in the books. So, you know, have you given yourself that reflection yet? Or is it like, eh, whatever. It just, you know, you're fortunate to be around some good teammates and coaches and and you were the one who had the honors. That's like a 15-part um, question. Sorry, man. That was unfair. <laughs> no worries. I'll, I'll try to answer the best of my ability here. I would just say, first doing, of all, like... You're like doing he, great, young fella. You're doing great. Yeah, yeah. So I I would say that I, I haven't really reflected on, you know, kind of the things that we we were able to accomplish at VIU because I'll just put it out there. We didn't have an opportunity to win a, a national championship when I was there. So that was kind of one of the biggest failures for my time there. But we did a couple of, you know, rather impressive things. Like my second year, we had an undefeated league um, schedule or undefeated season and then we actually ended up losing to uh, Okanagan in the provincial final at the time so the kind of as my my team there was obviously um, Okanagan was in there um, so that's UBCO I'm talking about yeah. and then also UNBC so now those guys have transitioned to CIS or U Sports. So those were kind of our main rivals at the time. Those guys got us twice, unfortunately. They got us once on our home court, which was uh, a pretty difficult thing for us to deal with at the time, but they had a, a pretty impressive team. And uh, I think they won a national tournament that year. So mm-hmm. uh, BC's always been a pretty competitive situation from the pack, the pack 
Pac-Plus champions always show well at the national tournament. So a couple familiar faces that, you know, Nate at the time, they had Volkong and they had Krellen and those. So a couple of familiar foes and yeah. friends now. So Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. And then did you ever, like, overseas was an option? How, how was the body throughout your career? When you're in school, did you were you getting into education? Like, could VIU offer you? Did you get your education degree from VIU? Yeah. So nice. Kind of as that was happening. Like, well, first of all, the one part I would say with regards to going overseas, like mm -hmm. I, I also played with another all Canadian at the time, Andrew Caban, and then he kind of went overseas and played in, um, and then he also went over to Australia. So that was definitely an option for me at the time. But one of the things things that kind of motivated me to stay in school and. To answer your question, yeah, I did get my Bachelor of Education from BIU um, and then also my undergraduate. Um, so one of the things that I always wanted to do, and it's something that I kind of set a goal for myself, like I said a little bit earlier, like I didn't want to be one of those people that failed and didn't accomplish their goals. So for me, my goal was to actually be a PE teacher um, and also graduate high school, graduate post-secondary, and then obviously now I'm getting my master's degree as well. So that's something that, that I kind of set out before I even wanted to try to go overseas. So that's kind of why it took me so long to, to go over and play in Australia. So mm -hmm. what happened was I got my first continuing contract. I finished everything. And then and that's when I, I reached out and kind of said, hey, like I'm going to look at trying to play some semi-professional basketball and end up in Australia, um, just in a small rural community outside of Melbourne. How was that? Uh, it was a very interesting experience, you know, like being from Prince Rupert and then uh, <laughs> kind of going down to Melbourne. I didn't really know anyone. I just kind of going down and it kind of felt Australia, like the yeah. time that I moved to Nanaimo, to be honest. Like, oh, yeah, um, I didn't really know what was going on. I just kind of jumped on a plane and, you know, 16 hours later, I got someone picking me up and I'm kind of being integrated into a whole new family and just kind of grateful that the community around there was so welcoming to who I was and it just worked out perfectly, to be honest. Um, something that I would honestly never trade for the world because it was just such a life experience for me. And it's, it is definitely something that I wish I did a little bit earlier because mm. um, just in regards to the, the competitiveness in me and something I like to do, obviously, play basketball. And like I said, I like to play more structured and organized basketball opposed to unstructured stuff. So I do wish I wanted to play a bit earlier. But like I said, I was trying to take care of my degree and trying to make sure that I had a little bit of comfort um, to kind of fall back on if my basketball career never turned out so for sure yeah that's awesome man and also too like like you said the your goal maybe in the back of your mind was yeah i want to continue playing but your goal on paper was get that degree and and accomplish those things so fair enough right those were the things that need to be done at that time in your life and and again how many people can say they had the opportunity to go hoop in australia and and get paid a little bit for it right so still you know not too many reg regrets i'm assuming no, no, reg no regrets at all. Honestly, like I said, that's something that I wanted. I talked about being a positive role model for my community and stuff like that. Like I, I definitely preach this to my my players as well. Like you got to make sure you're taking care of your education, um, amongst or before anything. Honestly, like it doesn't really matter what's going on. You're a student athlete. You got to make sure that you're taking care of what's happening in the classroom because you never know what's going to happen with, with basketball. Unfortunately, so making sure you take care of that. And like I said, I want to be something that I, I, I want to reflect what I'm preaching so yeah we'd like to take this time to thank
thank you, our listener, for supporting our podcast. If you have any comments or suggestions or feedback or questions or people that you want to see get interviewed, please hit us in the Instagram DMs at Journey, or hit us on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you can find our podcast. Those of you who are still expecting a shirt, don't worry, we will get that to you hopefully shortly. Now, back to the show with Jacob Tom. Uh, before we kind of move to some fun questions and everything, I just want, like, let's take a few minutes and chop it up about kind of the all native and what it's like to play there and the experience for people that don't know. I mean, I've been looking at random YouTube videos the last, you know, week or so, knowing we were going to have you on. But, uh, you know, being able to go back there each year and probably you'll probably play till your body just says, okay, no, no more. But what it's like um, to have so many different communities come together, compete and um, and just kind of break bread as well. Right. Like get to know each other um, outside of the game. I think one of the things is, you know, we hold on to these things when we compete against each other because it's like, but once the game ends, it ends, right? And and talk to people about that experience and what it means to yourself and and the team that you get to go play with. Yeah, so one of the most impressive things about the All Native is, first of all, I think that a lot of the people that play in it, they have the ability to kind of compartmentalize with regards to okay we're going to play and then we're also friends off the court because lots of people live in the same communities um, when you're playing an all-native tournament you're representing your community that you're from so for example i'm from kikatla uh, lots of my friends are from port simpson or lakulams um, and they would be representing them at the time and a lot of these people i played with on the same rainmakers team so a lot of my really good friends would be playing on different teams we'd have an opportunity to kind of play against each other and it was just it was just a wonderful experience and it still is to this day you know like i always look forward to going back to prince super um and playing in a tournament because uh, i just think about kind of like the impact that it had on me as a young kid like i said you know like there's some people that i look up to when i was watching the games and hey, this is someone that i want to be like and i want to practice the moves that they're doing you know just like things so something that i take pride in doing and and like i said you know like a lot of those people that we're playing against they are my friends um so it's a good opportunity to kind of see your friends and you know kind of chop it up with them and you know connect and kind of celebrate afterwards or whenever you get an opportunity yeah um have you ever had a moment yet where you're like looking in the crowd and you're like wow there's that's me you know 20 years ago or do you even think like that you've talked many times about you know being a, a positive example for your community and, and a positive person um has that hit you at all because it's happening uh no, I, I honestly, I would say no. I never, I don't really do that. But I would say mm. something that I can probably think that it's going to happen in the future is when, um, you know, some of my friends that I've, you know, went to high school together, that are having kids now. So um, when I get an opportunity to be playing in front, kind of, I think when I when I get an opportunity to see some of my friends' kids in the crowds, I think and maybe like, oh man, I remember what it was like when I was younger. Awesome, man, love it. One more question before we ask you about like ketchup on macaroni. Uh, but it's it's a bit of a serious one, and I'd like I'm just going to throw you on the spot here. But it's important, and I think it's something that, that I'd like to hear as a as an educator, as an educator in a Catholic institution, um, as a white educator in a Catholic institution. Everything that's happened the last little bit, you know, I think there's it's been very it's been very raw, 
and but it's something you know someone who i did my practicums in brandon manitoba right so you know dealt with a lot of indigenous kids in our high schools that i was doing my practicums in and, and but overall my question for you is like what do we need to do what do people that look like me and and have have the position and role like myself what is something that we can do better to make make people understand your culture and and outside of like yeah curriculum needs to change how we speak and think needs to change but is there anything off the top of your head and i and i hope i don't, I don't feel like i'm putting you on the spot but you seem like a big you, you know you're a thinker and a well thought out guy but i just want to get your opinion on that what, what can we do people that look like me to be better well i would say the first thing aaron is like i think there has changed has already happened honestly like it's starting to happen with regards to the curriculum and stuff like that like mm-hmm. just with all the aver- uh, the indigenous content that's being implemented into the curriculum like it it is a very positive thing Mm -hmm. um with regards to the residential school stuff like that like i would just say you know just trying to be an advocate for people that are in those situations like i'm sure you've heard the phrase intergenerational trauma um there's people that you're probably teaching right now that they didn't experience what it was like to go to residential school but someone in their family has so just being able to kind of put yourself in their shoes and just being empathetic towards those people when Let's just say, for example, they roll in the class, you know, 45 minutes late because, you know, they had to drop off their kids at school or they had to drop off their siblings at school or they didn't get an opportunity to eat breakfast or something like that. Just embracing them when they're in the school, you know, just making sure that they can feel comfortable when they walk in your classroom, because that's kind of where it is. Like there's a large disconnect with a lot of the indigenous families and feeling safe at school because of what happened in residential schools mm-hmm. so i would say just making them feel welcome um and i was trying to be able to empathize with them you know just making sure that they understand that they are a person and you value them for who they are um but there's a lot a long way to go but i definitely mm-hmm. think that positive things that happened with regards to the truth and reconciliation commission by murray st Clair. but you know there's there's still a lot of work to go but I would say just being able to empathize with them and acknowledge them for who they are. Yeah. And I think like when it comes to the truth and reconciliation, the thing that I'm always just so impressed with, I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, I talk to Mike a lot about these things and ask him questions and get his opinions. Um, and it's like, you know, the indigenous people that I've been able to talk to about it, it's like, there's no anger. It's not like, a, you know, we hate you. It's just acknowledge what happened and, and you know continue to strive to be better right it's not this that you know we want this back or like you know it's not we want to fight you over it it's not a negative thing it's just acknowledge what happened acknowledge that you effed up and let's work together right and and i think it's powerful and it's 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 impacted me a lot um the last few months and it's made me think and continue to be a better educator and what I can do and the things that I can possibly do to kind of make the world a better place. And it's important. Yeah. Well, well, the big thing that it comes down to, right, just being able to be educated on the topic, right. You don't want to make um, ill-informed decisions or have a, a, sent, a complete non-educated opinion on an entire demographic because you don't, don't know what happened. Right. So like, just let's just acknowledge that it happened and then say, Hey, you know what, as a, as a country, as a federal government, as a church, like we made a mistake and just, and I don't think that has happened yet, unfortunately, mm. from a Catholic perspective, but mm-hmm. the federal government has acknowledged it. So 
Yeah, and and you know what, I'm not, and I think that there's lots of different people that feel completely different than me, but that's kind of just where I'm at with it. Um, and I and my grandparents, like I said, they they did experience residential school. So, um, and I I'm someone that experienced intergenerational trauma because of the re- relationship with my grandparents and my mm-hmm. mom, and kind of hoping that I can break that cycle. So it's something that I'm definitely passionate about. I th- I would say I'm educated on too. So. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there's no one that's going to be out there saying, hey, we hate you. We, we want this to change. Mm. Um, just acknowledging it and then making sure that everyone has an opportunity to be educated on the topic. Powerful stuff, man. Thanks. And um, I hear you. Uh, I'm an Anglican. Personally, I, I teach at a Catholic school. And someone sent me like when the Pope tweeted out and I almost, I almost threw my phone across the living room. I was like, this is the most back. Like it basically was like thoughts and prayers. You might as well just said thoughts and prayers. I was like, you didn't acknowledge anything. Like it was so disappointing, just an opportunity for him. Like, how has he not been on a plane, flown to some part of Canada, met with some people and like said something actually powerful and meaningful. And it's really bothersome. And, uh, you're up, you're, you have every right to feel the way you do. Um, but I also appreciate the stoic, the stoic approach that you take. But, uh, know that there's people that like me that acknowledge it and, and, and are trying. So if you can continue to help and support us along that way, and it's not your burden, but you know, let's work together and figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. Like you said, just making sure that we can be, well, allies and advocates for what happened there. So that's, that's the biggest thing that I would say going forward, just making sure you're comfortable acknowledging that it happened and making sure that it's never going to happen again in the future. So that's the biggest thing. Love it, man. Respect. amazing thanks for being with us but we gotta we gotta put you through the ringer for a few goofy questions you good well yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a mixture it's a mixture all right let's get into it right away Who, who's the goat the most annoying debate ever but for you who's the greatest basketball player of all time uh, i might get roasted for this but i'm gonna say lebron james hey it's your st- i told you at the start it's your story it's your podcast no problem man all right do you want to expand or just yeah, leave it at I, that? i'm uh, I'll say that I'm someone that values longevity and uh, just his ability to do everything in the game of basketball is something that I really value um, as a player. He's thought about this, folks. He's thought about it. I can tell. I can see it in his eyes. Um, <laughs> who's the greatest player you've played against or some of? Uh, greatest player i played against? Um, I would say Rob. Rob would be one of the best guys. Uh, I would also say Damon Bellholter. Um, catch yeah. can. Okay. And then kind of over the last couple of weeks, you know, just like I like I said earlier, I've been playing a little bit of hoops and getting an opportunity to play against uh Usama Zaid, um one of the VI former VIU guys, like he is a problem to deal with. <laughs> Do you have to guard him? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's a handful. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that, that's so that's why the muscles are sore. Okay, now it makes sense. I thought you were just running up down with Kuz and Avneed. I was like, what are you sore from, man? But yeah. You're actually playing against real, <laughs> real basketball players. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dead or alive, is there a concert that you'd like to go see? Take the girlfriend, got front row seats. Are you a music guy? Do you care? Or is there a book that you've read recently um, that's that stuck out to you? Uh, let's go with the concert okay. perspective here. I'm going to say I'm a 
preface this by saying I'm a big Eminem fan. I would say something like uh, maybe the Up and Up and Smoke tour with uh, with those boys. Did you go to that? I did not go to. Oh, it, so I was gonna, like, oh yeah. man, I was like row fourteen on the floor. No way, that would be phenomenal. It was unbelievable, man. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I'm actually not a very big concert person either. I never okay. had an opportunity, obviously, living in Prince Rupert. But uh, yeah, like that's something I would, I would definitely want to see. Love it. Love it. How do you feel about ketchup on macaroni? Uh, if you asked me this when I was 14, I would have said yes. Currently, I'm going to say no. Because yeah, you just know better, right? Yeah, I know way better now. <laughs> Who's been some of the most important people in your life? Along your journey, from a basketball perspective, I'm going to say Mel Bishop. Uh, from a development of who I am as a person, I would say my grandparents, my grandmother and grandfather. Now you're a fit guy. You know you probably go for runs and like on your Apple Watch, keep track of all your kilometers. But you're having a breakdown day, or maybe it's a Sunday. You're watching some NFL. What bag of chips are you grabbing? You want to know the funny thing here is mm. this is uh, the, the question I've been looking forward to the most and I was contemplating how I can answer this. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> I'm going to say that Miss Vicky's salt and vinegar are the go-to bag of chips. Now, was this hard to come to? Like, it sounds like there's a bit oh, of an inner struggle. Okay. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah. There's What, what, what else was popping oh. around in your mind? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like there's a few. Well, I'm going to say Doritos. <laughs> sweet chili heat. Oh, the sweet chili. Okay. Yeah, those. But the, uh, but the roof of say... mouth. The roof of the mouth, though. You know, if you just if you get too deep in that bag, man, that mouth is raw the next day. You know. Yeah, honestly, I'm just a big flavor guy. I like okay. uh, the flavor of the salt and vinegar, and then the sweet chili heat. Yeah. Is there like um, a jalapeno or something in there that you like? No. Yeah, there's a jalapeno one for the Miss okay. Vicky's, but yeah. uh, yeah, salt and vinegar all the way there. Have you had the hard bite spicy dill? Yes, I have. Yeah. Thoughts? Uh, I, I don't mind it. I'm not yeah. a big dill, uh, dill fan, but okay. I don't mind it. Okay. All right. I like that you're open to it. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say, man. Kate, is there anyone as a coach now, is there anyone that you've coached against that you've been like, wow, this has been a real problem is it, upon reflection? You know, you're still kind of young in the coaching game, but has there been a few players that you've had trouble scouting and figuring out how to stop or not yet? Um, well, yeah, like you said, I'm pretty young in the game. And, you know, honestly, like it's just that there's been such a large learning curve. I would say not individually someone, but I would just say with being able to kind of see what teams are doing and what kind of counters they have and stuff like that. You know, like all the really good teams, they're going to be able to make adjustments and they're going to have counters to kind of what you want to do mm -hmm. so i would just say from a coaching perspective like just being able to try to take away more than one thing mm -hmm. um has definitely been a challenge for me but it's something that you kind of just get better at as you kind of get older getting more experience um and even for us being a not a very very uh i don't even know how to say it, a very serious basketball team right in in Nanaimo at the time you know like I've been there for seven or eight years and we kind of just started getting a, a reputation of someone that's or a team that's competitive again so mm. you're trying to change sure a culture we're, we're, forget about X's and O's you're trying to change a culture first right yeah yeah that and honestly that's the biggest thing for us that was our number one priority is making sure that we had a 
kids that are doing the right things, playing the right way, making sure that they're taking care of e- each other. And then um, from that, just making sure that they have an opportunity to, if they want to play at the next level. So I'm fortunate that VIU's um, so close to us and those guys reach out all the time. I was going to yeah. say, you think about your pocket of the world you live in. You've got like four or five like quick phone calls of a wealth of knowledge. You know what I mean? So it's pretty, pretty nice to have that. Yeah, and that's the thing, like just the the mentors that I've kind of have been able to develop um, because of my experiences in basketball, you know, like guys we haven't even talked about, you know, Mark Simpson, mm-hmm. Ken Shields, Mel Bishop, guys like that. So, mm-hmm. Mark Simpson, man, tell him to get on this thing. I know he cannot, he won't be able to sit here and talk about himself for more than three seconds, but he'd be a great episode. Just throwing that out there. I don't know if he listens, but. Um... I don't think that guy even knows how to work FaceTime. <laughs> Hey, we've had a few episodes where we've just gone clean feed, man. We have not, we've not done, we've not done the face-to-face interaction because it's just not worth it. We will not name names, but sometimes you just got to know who you're dealing with. You know what I mean? Hey, that's a, that's a that's a big part of being a good educator. So you're doing something right. Love it, love it. Last question, man. If you could do it all again, you would what? If I could do it all again, I would honestly, I would probably say that I would go and try to play pro a little bit sooner funny when you think about who you are where you've come from what you've shared that the one thing that you would go back and do would just be go play pro sooner right you know what i mean like i think that says a lot about your perspective on life and where you're at i think it's really dope that's why i'm just pointing it out you know what i mean the things that you've touched on in this episode and you're talking about god damn i finished my degree like why did i do that and i didn't leave soon enough to go play right the million things that you could have said and i i just think it says a lot about who you are man yeah honestly no like like i said it's just something that i kind of been battling with with regards to what what what's the right thing to do here like i want to something i'm passionate about and like i said to this day i'm still playing basketball like i just Mm -hmm. i'm I'm someone that's a diehard basketball hoop junkie, and I just, yeah, you know, I'm always, I'm always gonna be around the game some yeah. capacity. Yeah, I, I don't know you're great, but I know you a little bit, and I would say, you know, spending this hour or so with you, you're exactly where you need to be. So it's cool to hear, man, and we appreciate you being with us. Any last sort of comments, thoughts, things that you you're not sure you should didn't say, or or you done? Uh, no, yeah, I think, I think I'm done. I've met my quota for words for the day, so. <laughs> between that, between dealing with kids at camp and this, you're probably going to be exhausted. You're like, I'm not going to say a word tomorrow. Yeah, the best thing is it's the final day. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Like, jersey, jersey and, uh, and uh, competition day, right? Yeah, 100% game day tomorrow, so I got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Just got to show up with a whistle and uh, make some bad calls. There you go. Yeah. Well, if your girlfriend's wondering why, you know, you're not saying much tonight before bed or whatever, just blame it on Hoop's journey. Be like, I'm talked out, babe. Sorry. I don't think she wants to listen to the podcast. No, no offense. Oh, dude, it took me like eight months to realize that my my own wife wasn't even following the show. I was like, thanks a lot, man. Like, and then I did a thing about like, if you, you know, I did a poll on Instagram, if you did a thing at Parkside Brewery, would you come? And it was like 41 votes for yes and one vote for no. Guess who the vote for no was? It had to be yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, of course. Anyways, brother, thank you. Much appreciated. Um, wishing you continued success. I know we'll see each other coaching on the court. Um, sent, hopefully, 
you can send me some scouts um, for the teams that you don't like on the island. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> don't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. We'll keep in touch, and I know we will. And I know that uh, hopefully... You know, maybe next year we'll just bump into, if we get lucky with our teams, we'll bump into each other at the LEC and then can have a laugh. But uh, thanks for being with us, man. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot. Um, congrats with everything. Hopefully it uh, is successful going forward. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. We're enjoying it. Episode 64 in the books. Thank you to Parkside Brewery, Good Lad Clothing. Um, don't forget, like and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs>